Mindfulness Mode 161. I'm less worried about things I can't control, and I just feel more calm and positive in general. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited to have Abby Hutchison on the line today. Hey, Abby, are you in mindfulness mode? Of course. (laughs) Abby Hutchison is a certified health coach who spent years struggling with chaotic eating habits. Like so many others, she experienced the yo-yo diet cycle of eating too little and then overeating. Once she found a balanced system that worked for her, she knew she had to help others do the same. She now helps hundreds of women reach a point where they honor their bodies and feel a sense of peace through mindful eating. So, peace through mindful eating. Let's start with the mindful part. What does mindfulness mean to you, Abby? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. My Um, pleasure. Mindfulness in my own life means having the ability to take meaningful pauses and step back from racing thoughts or negative thoughts or harsh thoughts towards ourselves and really be able to tune into our senses and stay present in that moment so we can move forward in a way that feels the best most of the time because no one's perfect. Well, no one is perfect, that's for sure. And when it comes to food, you know, we, a lot of us anyway, have challenges. I know Mindful Tribe, I hear from you and you talk about different challenges that you have. And Abby, you've discovered a balanced system of eating. What was life like for you before that? Before that, probably five or six years ago, I was in the thick of my struggle, I call it. And it was all throughout college. I was obsessed with looking a certain way, this ideal weight or body image I'd created for myself that truly looking back now wasn't ever reachable. Perfection's never reachable. It wasn't going to be maintainable or sustainable. And I definitely wouldn't have been living a happy life if I had continued to try and reach that unattainable goal and or unrealistic. And so during that time, it was this constant overwhelm of, I should be eating this. I shouldn't be eating that. It was, I should look this way. I should be exercising. I can't be lazy. I must get this done. I have to do this. I have to be perfect. All of these racing and crazy and stressful thoughts that I placed on myself that really pulled me away from my friends, pulled me away from studying, taking care of myself, listening to my body. And that's really what was going on before I found mindfulness and discovered the benefits of it. Wow, it sounds like you had a lot of anxiety in trying to meet that perfection. Oh, definitely. And when we place that idea of perfection on ourselves, we tend to fail and then we feel like a failure. And then that cycle of beating ourselves up continues back and forth. And it's not necessary, but I get what it feels like to be stuck in that. And that's what I feel like my purpose is, is to help people get out of that cycle. Well, that's a wonderful purpose for sure. So what does it mean then? Exactly what does it mean to honor your body? In my opinion, and what I feel is honoring your body is truly being able to check in with yourself. Know when you're off kilter a little bit because we do 
get out of whack or out of balance or out of routine or whatever you want to say and be able to check in and say, what do I need right now? What's going to feel good for me in the long term? Not just instant gratification and be able to understand and hear our hunger cues. So specifically with food, thinking about, am I actually hungry right now? Mm -hmm. Does this food taste good? Does it still taste good a few minutes later? You know, are you able to leave the table when you're still feeling good instead of feeling overly full or stuffed? And those are just a few of the ways that I practice honoring my body and help other people practice honoring their bodies as well. Well, let's talk about meat. Is this something that you talk about with your clients? Is it something that you try to avoid or you try to limit? What, is, what are your views on meat? Well, I am a vegetarian. Okay. Um, I don't eat any meat or fish or anything like that. And that is just a choice I made way back in college before I had this diet cycle struggle or battle, whatever right. you want to call it. And before I started helping other people, um, just out of my own feelings that if I didn't know where the meat was coming from and I didn't research what was happening to it beforehand, then I just wasn't interested in eating it. I don't push that view on anybody else. It's whatever helps your body feel good, whatever you like, enjoy it, go for it. But that's just my own personal choice I made. Right. And so you feel good as a result in your body. You feel good as a result of not eating meat, right? Definitely. So what are some of your other choices? I mean, when it comes to vegetables, Mm -hmm. do you eat mostly raw? What kinds of vegetables do you choose? I eat Raw and not raw. I have a nice balance Mm -hmm. between the two. And I love incorporating healthy fats with my vegetables. I feel like that's what helps me feel the most satisfied for long periods of time and helps me feel focused. And so I don't have any rules around food necessarily. You should eat this or we have to eat this amount or whatever. But I just try to make sure each day that I'm incorporating healthy fats and leafy green vegetables. And whether that means I'm cooking them together or separately or whatever, it doesn't matter. But if I can go to bed knowing I've had a few servings of maybe some kale and some butter or coconut oil or whatever, then I know at least I've given my body some nutrients and some brain fuel. Okay, well, I was just going to ask you about healthy <laughs> fats. So obviously butter you feel is a healthy fat and and coconut oil. You know, this has really changed the attitudes about butter. Tell us more about that because this is something that I know I sometimes find confusing and probably my listeners do too. Well, I think part of it, first off, is we have to strip away sometimes all of the outside noise and the trends and... Um, what we read in articles on Facebook or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, and really think about, okay, for myself, what foods sound good to me? Okay, from there, do those foods help me feel good and focused and alert, however you want to feel? And once you start experimenting with that, then you can find what's best for you without stressing so much about the research and about who said what and when and the timing of what you eat and all of that. I really, really think If we strip that away and kind of start with what makes you feel good. And I have found through that, that for me, I know I feel good when I eat some really healthy fats, which almonds, you know, butter, coconut oil. And the more I add that into my daily diet or daily meals or whatever, the more focused and alert and energized I feel. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, it does. So what about regular vegetable oil? Is it it healthy or should I be using coconut oil? oil all the time? 
You know, that's a great question. And I think it's kind of an ongoing debate. And let me just preface this with, I'm not an oil expert in any right. way. Sure, sure. <laughs> but my personal opinion is, you know, cook with what you can, do the best you can with what you've got, what you see at the store, and don't stress so much about it. Um, you know, the higher quality ingredients you're using, of course, yes, the better you might feel. But I don't worry too much about oils. I use all different kinds. Um, coconut oil just happens to be my favorite. I like the flavor that it adds. Um, so just kind of play around with what's going to taste the best for you and what way you cook your veggies. Are you actually going to eat the vegetables? You know, if it doesn't sure. taste good, you won't eat them. So then what's the point? So not necessarily, it's not vegetable oils or canola oil or anything is good or bad for you. It's just kind of like, well, which way are you going to eat the food that makes you feel good and use that? <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, you know, I have a, a thing about processed sugar, and I know a lot of Mindful Tribe, you know, I get feedback about processed sugar because we've talked about this before. What are your opinions on processed sugar? I think everything that we love should be able to be enjoyed in moderation. And when you are in tune with your body, you're able to do so. And that means a cookie or a donut or in Minnesota right now, the state fair is starting where it's fried food and crazy, <laughs> you know, crazy yeah. different concoctions of deep fried sugar, this and whatever. Sure. And if you're really in tune with the fact that, okay, when I eat a sleeve of Oreos, I crash 20 oh. minutes later mm -hmm. and that does not feel good. And that's not something I want to have in my life all the time. You're able to make decisions that, move you away from that direction. So for me, every day, I enjoy a little bowl of ice cream or I enjoy a couple cookies or I love Swedish fish, it's such a random thing. But I know that the way that I'm going to eat those isn't going to leave me crashing, it's not going to leave me feeling cranky. And again, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, it does take some experimentation. It takes some reflection, some breathing, some thinking about it so that the next time you're in that situation or you're at a party where there's cake or something, you can decide, okay, I can have a sliver of that because that's what I want right now, but I don't need to go overboard and then crash later. Right, yeah. right. Well, I know you're all about balance. <laughs> and so let's talk about exercise. Yeah. How, do we, how do we get the exercise that is a balance where mm -hmm. we're not going overboard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely was an over-exerciser years ago and beating up my body in the gym and you know, punishing myself for what I ate in the gym. And that is you know, the exact opposite of what we need in our lives. We don't need to place extra stress on our bodies and just on ourselves. And so exercise, in my opinion, doesn't need to be viewed as a punishment. It should be viewed as something that helps you feel great, helps you focus, helps you get in tune with your body. And so the first thing I would say would be to just see how do you like to exercise? How do you like to move? What makes you feel good? And, you know, it's okay to experience a little soreness, of course, and discomfort. But in general, what ways kind of rejuvenate you when you're exercising and incorporate that into your life? I feel like this is kind of a theme of our conversation, but strip away those things that you think you should do. You know, people are doing CrossFit. You don't have to do CrossFit. You can do whatever makes you feel good, even if it's a walk that's just kind of a chill pace for 10 minutes, whatever. Um, so I think removing some of those stigmas, some of those worries, some of those things that we feel like we have to do and just go back to the basics of like, 
how do I even like to move? I'll right. start with that, you know? Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. It really does. Well, you know, Abby, I want to talk about courage because you saw a need, you, you adjusted your life for yourself for what you needed, and then you had the courage to get out there and help others. What form did that take and how did you use mindfulness to actually implement this? Yeah, well, when I got to what I call my breaking point with food, where I was just mm-hmm. like, this can't be my life forever. I, I have more to offer. I have more to give. And I, I just can't be in this constant trap with food. And I was embarrassed, though, of where I was at. I was ashamed. I felt guilty. I felt like something was wrong with me. And so I love that you use the word courage because that's what I felt I needed to be able to open up about it. Right. and share what I was going through. But before I did that, I um, had picked up, I, I don't know if you've heard of it, but I, I picked up Mindfulness. It's an eight-week plan for finding peace in a frantic world by Mark Williams and Danny Penman. Um, and I had picked that up just to start calming my mind around food. That was strictly what I was like, I need something that's going to help me slow down and and kind of process what I'm what I'm going through right now. Right, right. And so I picked that up and through that work of just simply taking a few deep breaths every morning, simplest thing, it started to trickle into my daily life of just breathing throughout the day, thinking about what I was putting into my mouth and the things that I was saying in my mind and so on. And I got to this place of, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. And other people, if I'm going through this, other people are too. And so I started to share my journey. And I think if I hadn't picked that book up and I hadn't started just breathing and slowing down, I don't think I ever would have gotten the courage to share what I was going through. And so it was a little kind of connection. I don't know if it was this true connection or just in my mind, but yeah. Well, it sounds like a major turning point to me. It sounds like it really, really made a huge difference. And so now how do you actually help the women? Do you coach them? Are you online with other women? What do you do? Yeah, definitely. So I'm not a doctor and I don't work with women who are diagnosed with eating disorders. And I I try to make that very clear online. I work with women who are in a spot that I was in, just struggling, like I don't want to be in this diet mindset anymore. And so I work with women in a variety of ways, coaching one-on-one. I have a ton of free trainings on my site. And um, basically what I do is just walk through the steps that I took and I kind of just shared one of my first steps, which was Mm -hmm. to start breathing, (laughs) start slowing down a little bit and kind of lay the foundation of where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be. And then we kind of knock out those steps. Like, where do we want to go? How are we going to get there? Let's slowly start moving through those steps so you can find the peace that you want. Well, and I wanted to ask you, how does that peace look? You know, you talk about the peace of mindful eating. How does it truly feel and what's it really like? So the only way I can explain this sense of peace with food, and those of you that are listening who might struggle a little bit with this, you you know what I'm talking about. When you're in this constant overwhelm and then you find this sense of relief, it's like, oh, this is how life should feel. And it's this place where you aren't thinking about food anymore. You're just letting your body kind of guide you and tell you what you need when you need it and 
and give you those signals. And so that department or that compartment of your life, food, something we all need, isn't guiding your every move. It's just your body's telling you what you need when you need it. Does that make sense? (laughs) It really does make sense. You know, it really totally makes sense. And, you know, when we had our son, uh, I know for the first year of his life, we didn't give him processed sugar. And then we just kind of started gradually just letting him eat what he wanted to Mm -hmm. eat. But we made that a real priority that food wouldn't, would not be an issue. You know, food wouldn't be a something he earned as a reward food wouldn't be something that you know we would say you know you can't leave the table till you finish eating that it was never anything like that we're just like let him decide what he wants to eat what he doesn't want to eat and now it's amazing he's 14 and i watch him and he truly eats when he feels hungry and when he's full he doesn't eat and it doesn't it doesn't matter if there's like a pile of chocolate bars sitting there or whatever he just seems to eat what he wants to eat so that's cool if if you kind of grow up with it but boy it's hard to transition into that if you didn't grow up with it isn't it oh exactly and that's that's where i was at i love that you shared that about your son because my husband was the same way he grew up in a house where it's like there's options everywhere there are no restrictions on what you can or can't have right. and he to this day he loves me, but he, he will never understand kind of what I went through, although right. supportive and whatever. Um, and so, yes, you're exactly right. It's so challenging, especially, you know, if you're in your mid-20s, mid-30s, 40s, you've had this whole life before you where you've maybe had this roller coaster of a relationship to food. And I know you didn't ask, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I really think is important is you've got to get back to square one. You have to remind yourself that you innately have all the tools you need to be able to navigate food in a way that feels peaceful or feels easy or where it's just a part of life. And so when you kind of get back to that square one, write down what you would like your relationship with food to be like. Probably would be very similar to your son, Bruce, because he sounds like it's just easy. And so... If you can take a moment and kind of write that down and just step away from where you might currently be, that can kind of get some of that noise out of your head. It can kind of bring you back to, oh, yeah, okay, I can do this (laughs) and ground you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so much can be accomplished by writing down what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we just don't take the time Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's really important. Wonderful. <laughs> so I want to ask you about your routines. If you have routines yeah. and habits that contribute to just relaxed, peaceful, mindful eating. Yes, definitely. Um, the first habit that I recently realized that I do in preparation for this interview and in work in some of my work with some other women right. was that every time before I sit down to eat, I take three deep breaths in and out. Mm. And... What this does is help you start your meal with a sense of calm. It helps me anyway. And I'm able to be present with the food and the flavor. And this helps me, you know, not feel this urge, sense of urgency to eat quick and then end up overeating or anything like that. So that's one simple habit that 
um, can be very helpful. It's hard to get into. You have to remind yourself to start doing it until it becomes natural. Um, but that's one habit. Something else that I have found so beneficial is first thing in the morning before getting out of bed, I roll over and I lay on my back and I put my palms up to the sky. It sounds kind of cheesy, but take <laughs> no. 10 to 15 deep breaths in and out and just whatever you woke up with, maybe there's some feeling of guilt. Oh, I should have done this yesterday or some kind of stress. Like I got to get to this right away. Let go of it. Start your day on a clean slate. And then when you're done laying there, start to visualize how you want your look, your day to look and be and feel for you. And maybe even then incorporate some positive affirmations, you know, tell yourself you're awesome, or this day is going to be wonderful, or whatever, you know, cheesy line you can come up with, but mean it when you say it. Um, I found that breathing before my meals and taking that, you know, five minute clean slate break right first thing in the morning has been really helpful. Well, you know, this almost sounds like a form of meditation. And that was my next question. <laughs> I wanted to know if meditation is part of your life. And if it is, what form does it take? Yes. Um, I call this my little magic formula. Mm. And um, part of it is what I just shared with you. You know, first right. thing in the morning when I roll over, I take some deep breaths, clear my mind as best I can, visualize the day and share some affirmations. You know, if my husband's out of bed already, then I'll say them out loud even. <laughs> right. Um, the second part of this formula is when I go for my morning walk. And most, most of the time it's outside unless it's really, really cold. And at the end of my walk, I take out my headphones, I turn off my phone and put it in my pocket. And sometimes I'll stand and close my eyes. Sometimes I'll just keep walking and I just take some deep breaths in and out, roll my shoulders, head, neck, wrists, ankles, whatever feels good as I'm walking to just kind of set myself up for this day, check in with my posture, maybe any tension I'm feeling throughout my body. And then right. the sec or the third part of my little formula is a yoga practice that I do once or twice a week. Sometimes I'll take a couple week break. Um, it's just a class I go to and it's all about connecting to your body, you know, getting rid of any negative thoughts, letting them go. And I feel like those three things really trickle into my day so that I'm enjoying my day present as best I can be, eating in a really mindful way, and also letting go of unnecessary stress throughout the day. Well, I really like that. And, you know, I like that you mentioned the class that you take, the yoga class, because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people I've talked to have said that they find it's helpful having support when they're yeah. trying to gain control of their eating. And, you know, accountability partners can help. So mm -hmm. that you've kind of alluded to that with your class. Any other way that we can kind of reach out to others to help us support our mindful eating? Well, first off, I think just find someone that you connect with, you know, in the, now that we can Google everything, Google someone, find some videos, look at them, hear what they're saying, see if you connect to the advice they're giving. And a lot of people or health coaches or whatever have, you know, private Facebook groups and communities. I do, mine is free and we all connect in there all day, every day, sharing with each other, you know, some successes we've had, or maybe a, um, stopping point that we're at and needing some advice. And so there's, there's, there are, excuse me, resources out there and communities. Just do a little work to find the one that's going to fit for you. And um, I don't think it'll take much to find a little something for accountability and support. 
Yeah, we almost just have to allow ourselves to do it, don't totally. we? Totally. <laughs> I think that allowing thing is big because sometimes I know for myself, sometimes I'm I kind of find myself being a little bit in a knot and I think I've got to do it myself. I've got to figure this out. You know, this kind of attitude that I think I lived with it a long time, then pretty much got rid of it. And every once in a while, it squeezes its way back in, you know, yes. and I just have to remember to allow myself to let others help me with some of these things. Oh, exactly. And even if it means you kind of sit back and you don't participate right away, taking that little step of just sending the email or asking join or whatever can be, can feel really good at first too. Oh. Yeah, it can be very freeing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Abby, I've worked in bullying prevention for Mm -hmm. a long time. And I know sometimes we get bullied. Sometimes we bully other people. Sometimes it's the voice in our head that is bullying us. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? I do. I have one moment in particular, and I'm just going to say ahead of time that I don't know if this is necessarily bullying or being a bully, but I think it's a situation. There's a very fine line. (laughs) So I'll just explain. Um, Years ago, back when I was in college, I was in that diet mindset, like I've shared with you guys. And um, I'm pulling into the Target parking lot, okay? And Mm -hmm. During this time in my life, I was very much in my head, you know, constantly having these conversations with myself and so on. So I think I was just kind of in my own head, driving in the parking lot, and I turn into a spot. And right as I'm turning, I realize, oh my gosh, I'm cutting this person off. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wave to them to be like, oh, sorry, I just realized that. Okay. So then I pull in and park, get out of my car, don't think anything of it. And this woman and her daughter, six or seven years old, they walk up to me and the woman starts yelling at me for cutting her off. And I impulsively and on the defense jump in and start arguing with her. And we're just having this nasty, unnecessary argument. I'm almost a little embarrassed to share with you, but it sticks out to my mind. So I'll, I'll keep sharing. Um, and we're kind of in each other's faces until basically, I mean, it lasted two minutes or less. I turn and storm off to go into target. Right. And Throughout that whole day, and even to this day, I still think about that and have this sense of guilt for the immaturity that took place. And thinking about if I had really truly been practicing even just taking a few deep breaths every day, something as simple as that, I think my reaction would have been different for towards her. Mm-hmm. And I think if she had some sort of mindfulness practice in her life, she probably would have used that as an opportunity to turn to her daughter and say, you know what, honey, sometimes people cut us off and we're just going to take a deep breath and let it go and we'll walk in the other way or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that moment is kind of, I mean, that's real life that happens to us all the time. And I still think about that and how mindfulness is two sides. It's not just the person coming at you. It's also our reaction sometimes. It really is a lot of times. Yeah, that's a great story, Abby. I really like that. And you know, that the thing is, I think we have to allow ourselves to have those moments which are kind of mindless or whatever. You know, you think back and you think, why did I do this? Why did I do that? Well, life's a journey and uh, we're not always at the same point when, that we think we maybe should be. But that's a great story. My next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second okay. answers are perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Um, Gabrielle Bernstein. I love her book, May Cause Miracles. 
All right. And how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Well, I definitely think I'm less likely to get super riled up about things that aren't necessary to be, kind of like that parking lot. <laughs> right. I'm less worried about things I can't control, and I just feel more calm and positive in general. That's great. You've talked about breathing, but can you just sum it up how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice? Yes. So like I said, I start my day with purposeful deep breaths. Um, If I'm starting to feel anxiety rise throughout the day, which it does, I take deep breaths in and out. I take deep breaths before I eat. And basically, it's just like the fallback tool. We have to use it. It's the best tool we have. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Now, you've recommended a couple of books. I don't know if you want to recommend one of those or if you have a different one about mindfulness. What would you like to put in this spot? I I'm going to share one more time. I just want to say mindfulness and eight-week plan for finding peace in a frantic world um, by Mark Williams and Danny Penman really helped me create the foundation of my mindfulness practice. So it's really helpful if you're new to this space. Sure. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I love the app Relax Melodies. Um, I believe it's free, and the cool thing about it is you get to design the sounds that you want to be listening to either as you're relaxing or reading or working or whatever. Very cool. I haven't heard of that one. (laughs) I'll check it out. Awesome. (laughs) What advice would you give a person who is new to this whole idea of mindfulness and, well, maybe they're trying to achieve something like weight loss, for example? Yeah, I think you kind of said it, but... Decide why you want mindfulness in your life and what you think it would do to benefit you. Um, If you just start going for it and don't really know why you just think, oh, other people do it, then you might not stick with it. But if you know for you why you're going to focus on it and changing it or tweaking a habit or whatever, then it's much easier to stick with it. I agree with that for sure. (laughs) Well, it's really been great talking with you, Abby. And I'm wondering, how can Mindful Tribe learn more about what you do and maybe connect with you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I would just go to eatworkplaybalanced.com and there you'll find tons of free videos, my private Facebook group I was talking about, and anything else when it comes to finding balance with food. That's great. Well, it really has been a pleasure to talk with you, Abby, and uh, I wish you all the best and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.